0: What is happening, everybody? Good morning and welcome to the NBA strategy show. I see some people are already in the chat, uh, wondering where Josh is. So Josh is on vacation in Nashville until Monday. So he'll be back Monday morning. And unfortunately, Josh kind of took a shitty time to go on vacation because the weather sucks. He's going on vacation somewhere where it's like 30 degrees right now. So hopefully he still manages to have a good time. He'll be back here in a couple of days. But in the interim, it's going to be myself and Bellman on the NBA show. And then also, Matt. I'm going to be on the football show after this because Spags was supposed to be on the football show. Then because of a snow day, his kid's daycare got canceled. So now he has to watch his kids. So I'm filling in on this show for Josh. And then Spags is going to fill in for me on the football show in turn. So now I'm just doing both of them. So hanging out here with you guys all day and looking forward to it. Hopefully you are as well. So like the video, subscribe to the YouTube channel. We're sponsored by BetMGM. So here's something I could bring of value to you guys this morning is if you haven't done yet, Sign up at BetMGM, because when you do, using the link we have below, you place a $5 bet at BetMGM, and they're going to give you $158 in bonus bets. This is the easiest way you guys could possibly build your bankroll, and this deal is probably going to be going away fairly soon. We've seen these different no-brainer offers from BetMGM, and they're up, and then all of a sudden, they go away, Matt, and they don't really tell us when. They just send us an email one morning and just be like, hey, guys, the deal is over, and then we have to take them off the show as far as sponsors and everything. So if you haven't taken advantage of this deal, do it now before it goes away, because it's the easiest way to add $158 to your bankroll. If you or anybody you know has a gambling problem, call or text the number 1-800-GAMBLER. Matt, how are you doing this morning?
1: I'm good. Um, sucks about spags. My daughter also uh, has a snow day from daycare. But luckily for me, my wife also works in the schools, and she has a snow day as well.
0: Yeah, so, uh, oh, that's that's good for you. That was not the case for spags. He is, he is home alone trying to wrangle his kid who... I assume is probably similar to him in the same way that Aton was sending me videos yesterday of his kid. And it's just a little Aton. It was so, nobody's going to care about this, but I found it to be hilarious. Aton was like losing his mind on a meeting yesterday. And he sends me a video afterwards as his kid is blasting music with a plastic bat, just hitting stuff and breaking it around his house. And Aton was just broken. So uh, hopefully Spag's able to corral little Luca today. And they're having a good time hanging out in the snow day. And absolutely no issue that I'm covering for him. I have no problem with that at all. But let's go ahead and start by talking about this slate, Matt. We've got seven games. We have a Warriors game canceled again, unfortunately, because of that terrible situation. First game on the slate to talk about, San Antonio Spurs playing in Charlotte against the Hornets. This is a game that is currently expected for a whole bunch of ownership, Matt. And starting on the Spurs side, there's a lot of information we just don't really know right now. What we do know is that Wemby is out due to rest. But Zach Collins and Dominic Barlow are both questionable. Collins has been out for a meaningful amount of time. He could be returning. And then this is what makes this so hard to really draw conclusions about the front court with because typically be like, all right, if Wemby's out, Zach Collins is the guy we want to roster. But Zach Collins is questionable. So you go, all right, well, if Zach Collins is out. We might want to roster Dominic Barlow. But Dominic Barlow is also questionable. So here's the question I have for you If Wemby, Collins, and Barlow are all out, who would stand out to you in the front court for the Spurs?
1: If those guys are all out, then I think we just lock in Mamu. I mean, <laughs> Mamu becomes like a badly type play from yesterday. I don't expect the production that Bagley put up, but he becomes just an
0: easy lock. Do you see it similarly? Yeah, I mean, you look at the other guys that could possibly go to in the front court, and, you know, once again, guys, like, there's very little information working on. There's a lot of different ways this could go. Like, Collins could be in, and Barlow could both be in, or one of them could be in, one of them could be out. But, yeah, if both of them are out, Then you look at who's available as far as bigs go, and it's nobody, really. I mean, they've got Diakidi as well, but how many minutes could he realistically play? He hasn't been in the rotation. So then you start to say, like, all right, the center minutes, you've got Mamouka They could play small ball lineups, and they could go to, you know, like... Keldon Johnson center minutes or something crazy like that, but there's very limited minutes that you could give big men to here. And it's kind of the same situation as Marvin Bagley that Josh and I were talking about yesterday is he was a piece of chalk, but he was unavoidable because he looked at the players who were out for the wizards. And even though Bagley had just been acquired in a trade, it was like, where else do they give center minutes? to? That could be the exact same situation for the Spurs. If Collins and Barlow are out in addition to Wemby, but the other side of this to talk about as well is if we do see Zach Collins play, what do you think is the potential minutes we could get out of him? Considering he hasn't played in a meaningful amount of time.
1: I'm not exactly sure of the minutes, but I will say just like from your first point, if Collins is out and Barlow's in Barlow looks like a really good play. If Barlow's out and Collins is in Collins is not a lock because there's some un- uncertainty there, but he looks good because no Wemby, no Barlow to even back him up. They've shown they don't really want to give Mamu huge minutes. So I like Collins here. Not sure how many minutes I feel comfortable giving him, though, which is a, a big, I don't want to say problem, but something that definitely needs to be figured out before this slate starts. How about you?
0: Yeah, so I'm going to assume Zach Collins. If he, So if we get the scenario where Collins is in and Barlow is in, I actually don't think there's all that much value in the Spurs front. Agreed. With Wemby out, because Collins hasn't played in 2024 yet. He hasn't played in a game since getting hurt. He had, it was an ankle injury on December 29th, right? So it's been nearly a month since he's last played. And I always bring this up as well in these situations. A lower body injury, totally different than if somebody has, you know, like a broken wrist or, you know, like a broken finger, something along those lines, because you could still be conditioning yourself if you have some sort of upper body injury. If it's a lower body injury, like an ankle, how much cardio has he reasonably been able to do as of late? So I would think that we're probably looking at a minutes cap of like 22 to 24 minutes for Zach Collins, which doesn't make him all that appealing on DraftKings or FanDuel. Now in the backcourt, there is some usage to go around for the Spurs. While Wemby is not playing a massive amount of minutes as of late, he does shoot the ball a lot when he's on the court and he's been playing terrific. Is there anybody from the backcourt, whether it be Vassell, Trey Jones, or anybody else, do you do view as being a decent value option in a good matchup against the Hornets with Wemby out?
1: Yeah, honestly, all of them look good. I mean, not only is Wemby out, but it's a great spot in Charlotte against the Hornets. So Jeremy Shohan stands out, 5,200. He's too cheap. He's pulling a ton of ownership. So, you know, as of now, he's pulling 55% ownership, projected to be optimal 40% of the time this slate plays out. So yeah, he's going a little bit over-owned, but like, looks like one of the best plays on the slate. Then you look at Devin Vassell, Keldon Johnson, they're all in play.
0: Yeah, and the the other side of the game as well, which we're going to be getting into with the Charlotte Hornets, because when I'm running lineups through the Sims, which is always how I start my morning, uh, particularly if I'm doing morning content to kind of get a sense for, you know, like w- which way the projections and the data leaning relative to ownership and all that. And I just get to a shit ton of players from the San Antonio Spurs and the Charlotte Hornets. So getting to like Jeremy Sokan and, and Trey Jones on the Spurs side and then on the Hornets side of the game, I've got LaMelo Ball showing up in lineups, Terry Rozier, P.J. Washington. And that's not even including the fact that we currently have Nick Richards questionable. We've got Brandon Miller questionable. We've got Bryce McGowan's questionable. This is the first game on the slate. It is a 235 and a half point total. Both of these defenses are garbage, especially because Wemby's already one of the best defensive players in the NBA. And now you're moving him from the court to the Spurs. So that makes their defense considerably worse. I mean, you know how bad you have to be to be a four point underdog to the Charlotte Hornets? So this is a game that's likely going to be competitive. It's going to be played at a fast pace. This is by far the game I get the most exposure to. Who stands out the most to you from the Hornets? And then we'll talk more about the injury scenario here as well.
1: So here's the thing with the Hornets. I completely agree with you. And it's not only they're in such a good matchup against the Spurs, the price tags are all way too cheap. So I talked about this on the last night, the Hornets were on against New Orleans, like with LaMelo back, he was 9,100, Rozier was 7,500. They were too cheap. Now, there was still some risk there. It was a tough matchup, obviously, with the LaMelo back. Eats into Rozier's median outcome. But here, I mean, Rozier was 8,800 last week. And I know LaMelo was out, but he hadn't been below 8K aside from the last slate. He was on for, like, over a month. LaMelo, under 9K. Bridges at 7K. I mean, those three guys right there look like three of the top five plays on the slate. And as good as San Antonio looks, Charlotte looks better.
0: Yeah, it's the team that I get the most exposure to by a mile. I was just saying before, actually, let me see. How deep do I have to go until I find a player that isn't one of my most rostered players from the Spurs or Hornets? So, so LaMelo, Rozier, Cody Martin right now, PJ Washington, Miles Bridges, Trey Jones, Nick Richards. Yeah, like, uh, nine of my most rostered players right now are coming from this game Matt.
1: Yeah, the other thing about Charlotte that I like is you've got a clear top three. Like, Washington is certainly in play. He's way too cheap as a fourth. But you're pretty confident that most of the usage is going to go through LaMelo, Rosier, and Bridges.
0: Yeah, and we've got these injury situations to talk about as well because if Nick Richards is out, he's currently one of my, let's see, is he my first or second most rostered center right now? Yeah, so if players who just have center eligibility want to get the most exposure to, it is at the moment Nick Richards. But if Nick Richards doesn't play, and keep in mind Mark Williams remains out for the Charlotte Hornets, I would have to think that P.J. Washington stands to gain a ton in terms of playing time. Already somebody who I get exposure to, P.J. Washington easily becomes one of my most rostered players on the slate if Nick Richards isn't able to go. Do you see it the same way, or is there somebody else that you see benefiting?
1: I see it pretty much the exact same way, and I'm with you. I already like P.J. Washington here. He's too cheap, like 5100 for him, even considering his, you know, he hasn't been that productive since coming back from injury. Don't care when he's priced that cheap. I think the other guy we could maybe take a look at is Nathan Mensa. Um, Again, not the most productive guy and not sure how much he plays, but they're going to be shorthanded in the front court, and I don't think they want Washington playing like 35 minutes yet.
0: Yeah, so we will uh we'll see what ends up happening with the injury report. Nick Richards is questionable, Brandon Miller is questionable, Bryce McGowans is questionable. If Miller and McGowans are both out, Cody Martin currently only projected for about 10% ownership. He would become a strong option both fanDuel and DraftKings, even though he isn't the best fantasy producer in the world. He would step into a good amount of minutes at a cheap salary. So uh Cody Martin, the guy who benefits the most in the event that Brandon Miller and Bryce McGowans are both out. Anything else that is sticking out to you from the Hornets?
1: No, I do think this is a game that you if if the slate started right now and you played like six pieces from that game, I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all.
0: All right, so let's move on to. And I spent the most time on the first game of the slate cuz it's the one that matters the most to my lineups as of now, but let's move on to the Philadelphia 76ers on the road against the Orlando Magic and we go from the game with uh, one of the highest totals on the slate to the lowest total philly here is a five point favorite against the magic current total is 223 in this game so matt clearly not the same value situations that we had in the uh, opening game on the slate but do you see joel Embiid as a payup option you like to get to from this from the 76ers is there anything else from philly that's standing out to you
1: i certainly like joel and like he's always in play every slate he's on Coming in with nice leverage here, 14% optimal percentage, 9% ownership, always like that. My problem with Embiid, and yeah, it's not a great matchup, don't really care. The Charlotte pieces are way too cheap, but they're not like 3K value plays where you can just use them and spend up. Like Rozier, Ball, and Bridges are still like mid-tier to expensive, and those guys look like ultimate priorities for me here, so... Not sure I'll be able to get to Embiid, but that has nothing to do with Embiid himself. That just has everything to do with other you know plays on the slate. He's now priced up to 11.5. You could still say he's too cheap. I wouldn't argue with you. I'm just not sure I'll be able to get there today. How about you?
0: I'm overweight to Joel Embiid right now. And one thing that is, well, there's a couple of things to make it easy. First off, he's projected for very low ownership on both DraftKings and FanDuel, right? Not, not expected to be a very popular piece right now. And the other thing too is, as you mentioned, like, yeah, a lot of the... Quote unquote value that we're getting from the Spurs Charlotte game isn't actually players that are super, super cheap. And there are players we like to get to that are expensive. However, there are guys like Jeremy Sokan, as well as sure. guys as guys like Cody Martin, that are good points for dollar PJ Washington being another one. And these are players that don't have to take up a center spot. One thing that is a little odd about this slate is the best value we have right now is not actually at the center position. So that is what makes it. And that would change if, uh, you know, like Mamu ends up starting in the Spurs situation. But at least as things stand right now, the best value is not at the center spot. So therefore, if I'm going to pay up at one position, I actually do like it being the center spot. So uh, Joel Embiid is somebody who in my initial run of lineups. I got to just under 20% on DraftKings and then around 15% on FanDuel, which does have me overweight to the field on him and uh, somebody who I do like getting to. Beyond him, however, I don't really get to anything from Philly. Nothing else stands out.
1: There is nothing from Philly. Um, You know, if I were playing 150, would I sprinkle in like a maxi? Sure, but no priorities like at all in this spot.
0: So let's move on to the other side of the game with the Orlando Magic. And uh, they've been playing some odd starting lineups as of late, Matt. We've seen Chumo Kiki in the starting lineup. We've seen Caleb Houston in the starting lineup. And this is despite the fact that we do have an Orlando Magic team that's a little bit healthier than they were earlier in the year. While Franz Wagner is out and Gary Harris is out. There are other guys that were frequently in and out of the lineup for this team, like Markel Fultz. We saw Wendell Carter Jr. out for a little bit. So even with Harris and Wagner out, it actually kind of is one of the healthier spots that we've seen the Magic in since the start of the season. But we still do have the weird situation where Chuma Okiki has been in the starting lineup, and he's another guy who, assuming he sticks in that in that starting lineup spot, makes for a pretty good value option because. We have seen him as a starter get a fairly healthy amount of minutes relative to what his salary is. Last game, 30 minutes for Okiki, the game before he played 26. And in other starts also, we've seen 29. He's played as many as 38 minutes as a starter since moving into this role. So he's not the best points pointsman, a fantasy producer, but at his price point, and if we could keep expecting somewhere around 30 minutes, Chumokiki's is a serviceable piece of value on this slate. Do you see it the same way?
1: I, I certainly see it the same way. He's not my favorite feat. That cheap piece of Orlando, but forward, you know, eligible, easy to roster, 4,200. Really more than fine with Okiki. The guy I like more, and this kind of goes hand in hand with the point you just made about Joel Embiid Mm -hmm. the center position is not deep today. So there isn't as much opportunity cost. Now, obviously, if you roster anyone that's not Joel Embiid, there's opportunity cost from not rostering Embiid. But Wendell Carter, man, he just looks way too cheap for me here at 4,500. I know he's coming off the bench, but He can crush that price tag in limited minutes. If nothing else, I expect him to be fine at 4,500. They're going to need him on the floor in this spot. I'm not saying he'll play, you know, over Goga, because both of them are really good defensively, but they're going to need him on the floor. He's just at a price point where I don't think you'll see it get much lower. That's why I like him.
0: And I have a sneaky play from the Orlando Magic as well. You want to try to guess who it might be?
1: A sneaky play from the Magic. Um I mean, uh, Jonathan Isaac?
0: Markel Fultz. Markel okay. Fultz, here's his playing time since coming back from injury. 15 minutes, 13, 17, 24, 30 minutes last game. Project for single-digit ownership today. Markel Fultz, for all of his injury issues that he's had the last couple of years, for all of his flaws and inconsistency that we've seen with him shooting, he can rack up counting stats, assists, steals, rebounds, a little bit of scoring, not a ton, but it's definitely part of his game. And he's not picking up ownership right now. Sub 10% expected ownership to Markel Fultz. If he actually can repeat the 30 minutes he played last game, which based on the trend of his playing time, I kind of do think that's going to be the case. I read off the minutes that he's been getting where, you know, it's slowly escalated to where he got to 30 minutes. If you look at his playing time from the start of the year where Before he went down with an injury, well, the games before he got hurt, he had played 29 minutes. That was the game he got hurt. And then before that, 32 and 33 minutes. I also wouldn't be stunned if he ends up starting today. I think that's within the realm of possibilities for Markel Fultz as well. But 30 minutes from last game, if he gets those 30 minutes again, there's a pretty good amount of upside in a player who the field isn't getting to.
1: I like it. Coming in with a ton of positive leverage also. 18% chance of being optimal, 9% ownership. Yeah, those numbers will probably even out as the day goes on. But one thing I'm realizing as we talk through this slate, there are a lot of good guard plays. So that's why I don't think Fultz ends up becoming like high-owned, even though he's too cheap. I mean, projected for 26 fantasy points at 4,900. Hard to prioritize him over the likes of LaMelo Ball, Rozier, Fernie Simons, amongst other guys. But dollar for dollar, I really like that call.
0: Anything else you want to talk about from the Magic? If not, we will go over to the uh next game
1: no i'm good
0: all right denver nuggets on the road against the boston celtics and for denver clearly a very difficult matchup on the road against boston boston favored by six and a half points really goes to show how much better boston is on paper than every other team in the league because in any spot where boston is at home with a healthy roster they're going to be significant favorites over everybody Denver, no, it's last year's champions. They've got a healthy lineup today. And despite that, we're seeing Boston, like I mentioned here, six and a half point favorites at home. So nobody on the injury report for Denver other than Aaron Gordon, but he's listed as probable. So no real concerns here. I don't really like getting to Denver at all here, Matt. Is there anything that you see differently? It's a really tough spot.
1: Nothing I like from Denver here. I think that Jokic and Murray are always in play in GPPs in any matchup because they're Jokic and Murray, but would take me a bunch of lineups to get to them.
0: There's a whole bunch of ownership going at Reggie Jackson right now, which I don't agree with. It's a slate where we've got a whole bunch of guys that are on the injury board. And honestly, this is going to go away anyway. The Reggie Jackson ownership in the teens right now, by the time we get closer to lock and other players get ruled out, nobody's likely going to be rostering Reggie Jackson anyway. And even as is right now, I hardly got to him in any lineups. He's a, He's a fade for me. So the player I get the most of from Denver right now is 2% of Nikola Jokic. If I'm paying up for one center on this late, it's going to be Joel Embiid before I get to Nikola Jokic, especially consider the matchup that Denver has on the road against Boston. So want to move to the Boston side of the game, then.
1: Yeah, even though there's not much I like there either.
0: (laughs) Same. The player I get the most of from Boston is 4% of Derek White, and it's just not a great game environment. It's probably... If I could only watch one game on TV today, Matt... It's going to be the Boston Denver game. If I could only play one game in DFS, this would be the last one on my radar. And the game that is probably the worst one from a real life perspective is the Spurs Hornets game. That's the one I want to play the most in DFS. So uh, Boston Denver, this is the least appealing game on the slate. I don't get to anything from either side. really. My most roster player in the entire game is 4% of Derek White. And that's just him showing up in the Sims like a last man in sort of situation.
1: Yeah, I'm right there with you. And just uh, to talk about your Reggie Jackson point, I mentioned this a second ago, not sure if you heard me. It seems like the opportunity cost is at guard today. Like, Correct. Between the Charlotte guys, Anthony Simons. We'll talk about the Portland guys. Like, It is really hard for me to want to play a Reggie Jackson and not play one of those other guys. And I feel similar about the Boston guys. I'd rather play the Boston guys than Reggie Jackson. They just don't stand out on this slate.
0: So let's move on to the Atlanta Hawks here, taking on the Miami Heat. And uh, for the Atlanta Hawks, we've got some injury news here, Matt. Although not really an injury, it's an illness. But still, it's the injury report. Trey Young, questionable due to an illness. I-, I could be wrong on this. I feel like Trey Young has been questionable on in the injury report with an illness like six or seven times this year. But here he is again, dealing with an illness. So let's talk about the scenario where in the event that Trey Young does not play, What can we expect from other players on the Hawks who might want to get to? Not the highest-paced matchup in the world against the Miami Heat, but still, Trae Young being out would open up quite a bit of playing time and usage. Who would you be most apt to go to if Trae Young doesn't play?
1: Deontay Murray looks amazing at that point. You can put him in that list of upper echelon guards on the slate at 7,500 with no Trey. When Trey is out and Murray's in, Murray sees a huge boost. When Murray is out and Trey is in... Trey doesn't get as big of a boost as Murray does in the opposite situation. So Murray and Bogdanovich, two guys that without Trey are just going to have the ball in their hands a lot more. So those two guys stand out for me. Everyone else on Atlanta looks better, but it is a tough spot. No one becomes like a must besides Murray to me and maybe Bogdanovich.
0: And looking at some of these on off court numbers here, uh, no surprise, DeJounte Murray does lead the Atlanta Hawks in usage with Trey Young off the court this year. 29.8% usage rate to your point before, Matt, for DeJounte Murray in minutes that he's played without Trey Young this year. And then Bogdan Bogdanovich, who also, by the way, stands to pick a pretty good amount of playing time if Trey Young doesn't play, because you could see Bogdanovich start in the backcourt alongside Murray, we've seen that at times, or it could be a lower usage guy moves into the starting lineup and then Bogdanovich still comes into the game like at the four or five minute mark of the first quarter and just plays extended minutes with increased usage. So uh, a 24.3% usage rate for Bogdanovich when he plays without Trey Young, as far as how that converts to fantasy points. DeJounte Murray, in his minutes that he's played without Trey Young this year, scores 1.26 DraftKings points per minute, 1.23 FanDuel points per minute. Uh, Jalen Johnson has also seen a little bit of a boost, 1.14 fantasy points per minute on both DraftKings and FanDuel with Trey Young off the court. And then uh, Bogdanovich, we talked about before, 0.98 DraftKings points per minute, 0.95 FanDuel points per minute in the minutes that he plays without Trey Young on the court. So different reasons to get to different guys. DeJounte Murray increased usage, and then uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich little bit of increased usage, but also more playing time available for him as well. Uh, Jalen Johnson does also appear to benefit, but at his price point, I don't know how much I'd be able to prioritize him.
1: Yeah, same. And I will say this about Bogdanovich, because I really, really like him if Trey is out. Only having shooting guard eligibility is a big bummer there, because just talked about it. There's so many good guards on this slate. All of a sudden, if you play Murray and Bogdanovich, I mean, you're obviously not playing many of the other guards that we talked about and we'll talk about. So Murray is the priority, I think. But then I look at Bogdanovich's price tag. Like, I'm not sure which one of those guys would be my ultimate priority if Trey is out. I'd like both of them a lot. What about Oneka Oconwood, 4,300?
0: So as of now, I'm not getting to him in lineups, uh, only in 2% of them. He does have nice eligibility, particularly on DraftKings, where you play him at the power forward or the center spot. But at the same time, too, there there are a decent amount of guys that I want to be getting to on the slate. I could see myself getting to a little bit more Okongu if Trey Young is ruled out. Uh, when I run the Sims with everybody in, and this is the flip side of it with Trey Young currently expected, in our projection, just kind of the default. Generally, somebody's questionable. They remain in the projections, ownership projections, and all that. If Trey Young plays, nothing looks good from the Atlanta Hawks. I don't, I don't get to them uh, hardly at all if if he's in. Whereas I would be getting to a lot if he is out. So right now, no real Okongwu for me. Uh, but I probably get to like I don't know eight ten percent of them if Trey Young is out.
1: That's totally fair. He co- he's coming in overowned right now. But again, it's it's ten thirty in the morning, so so much is going to change.
0: Anything else you want to talk about from the Hawks? If not, I'm going to tell the uh, people about a new deal that's starting today, Matt.
1: Let's hear about the deal.
0: All right. New deal that we have going on. So, guys, we have a new MMA Sims product. And if you've used our other Sims products, it's a lot of the same, right? You're, you, We got the contest generator. You build your lineups out. We got the Sims tool where you could simulate them. And UFC 297 starts tomorrow. We got a promo going on for it. If you sign up for our sims tool using the link that we have below promo code 297 it's already preloaded into that link though you're going to get 30 percent off when you sign up for the first time and i'm really excited about this Matt. i I don't think you don't play mma dfs right i do not okay so one of the things that's most difficult about mma dfs is there's only so many lineup combinations you can play so there's a lot of dupes and what's really useful about the mma sims tool is it's going to build lineups and it accounts for dupes and that impacts the projected roi of the lineup so Last week was the first time that I had ever used our MMA Sims tool. Brand new to the site. I was testing it out. I won the $3 on DraftKings. Very first time playing it. And a really, really big help of that was making sure that I was playing lineups that were not expected to be heavily duped and that I had some unique lineups. So I'm going to be doing some more content later in the day about the Sims tool and how I'm going to be building my lineups for the slate using it. But I'm really excited about it and I hope that you guys give it a try as well. So if you play MMA DFS and you want to improve your process, This is the most affordable Sims tool that we have on the site, especially because, you know, it's only a weekly sport. So we're not going to be charging as much for it as something like the NBA tool. And if you do sign up for it now, like I said, promo code 297 for UFC 297, 30% off and that promo code only going to be good for today and tomorrow because tomorrow is UFC 297. So go check that out. If you guys are playing MMA DFS, I'm very, very excited about the new tools that we have here. Now let's go ahead and look at the Miami heat side of the game and, Good matchup for them against the Atlanta Hawks, but considering the potential amount of value that we have on the slate, I find a lot of the guys on the heat to be overowned right now. We've got double digit ownership going to Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Ty- uh, Tyler Hero just under 10%, Kyle Lowry 16%. Matt, I I think these guys are going well over owned considering some of the value we have in other spots.
1: I don't disagree with you, but I also understand it like Butler at 7600 in a good spot. I don't think he's a bad play. Think he's getting a little bit too much ownership, and there's plays I like more, but I understand why he's getting love. Bam at 8,700. These guys' prices just continue to drop a little bit. I mean, Butler is at about the low point we'll see with him. So I think he's probably my favorite. Um, here at 7,500 also looks good. So for me, they're healthy now. So, like, again, this is a spot where their median projections. They're probably priced fairly for those, but in this spot, each one of them has massive upside. So I don't mind sprinkling Miami in. I think I like them a little bit more than you, but still less than the field.
0: If I had to roster one guy, it would be Jimmy Butler. Uh, one other note is that Kevin Love is questionable to play, and uh, Jaime Hawkes Jr. is doubtful. So there is a scenario we could talk about here where with Hawkins being out, and if Kevin Love remains out, Kevin Love has missed, I think it's the last three or four games, listed as questionable today with the knee injury. So as of right now, the way we have it projected is just Kevin Love picks up some of the minutes that Jaime Hawkins would have played. But is there value to be had, Matt? If we do see Kevin Love ruled out in addition to Hawkeyes already being out, is there anybody you would want to roster in that scenario?
1: Unless I'm really missing something, not really, just because we've got Charlotte, San Antonio, and not only that, we haven't even brought up the Indiana-Portland game, which is another really, really good game for DFS purposes, so I don't think so, how about you?
0: Caleb Martin, if he starts, could potentially be an outside kind of guy at low ownership that I would consider. It's going to depend on what the ownership is as well, because right now he's not really projected for any, but that could potentially change if Kevin Love is ruled out. So uh, we did see two games ago, 34 minutes out of Caleb Martin. He only played 25 last game, although it was a blowout. But if Kevin Love and Jaime Hawkes are both out, I do think there's a realistic scenario that Morton plays north of 30 minutes in a really good matchup against the Atlanta Hawks, but it's very contingent on as officially being rolled out while he's currently doubtful, so not expecting him to play, and Kevin Love also not playing. Mm-hmm. Anything else you want to add from the Miami Heat? No, sir. All right, so let's move on to the Phoenix Suns on the road against the New Orleans Pelicans. And as far as the Phoenix Suns are concerned, Uh, We're starting to actually see them get a little bit more of continuity, right? Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Bradley Beal. There was a point in time where I didn't know that we would ever see these guys play at the same time this year, and not even in a facetious way. It was, they had such bad injury luck to open up the season, and Bradley Beal, it seemed like he was going to be dealing with a chronic back injury. Now he's back and looks pretty good, as as the team does as well. My gut feeling is that last game was a turning point, and it was a game that Eric Eric was at, by the way. He got tickets to that game for his parents for Christmas. So they all went to the game together. And you got to see a great basketball game because the Suns were down, I think it was 22 or 24 minutes with seven or eight minutes left in the game. They came all the way back to win. that could be a real turning point in the season for Phoenix Suns team that has struggled a little bit this year. I don't think they've gotten a fair shake in the media because I. It's how reasonably just productive could you expect this team to be when they built a team that was very thin Right, really built around stars in Durant, Booker, Beal, and then Nurkic to a lesser extent, and they weren't healthy to start the year, and then everybody gets back. We know that some of these super teams, it takes them some reps before they finally are able to build some chemistry and continuity. So I think this team's going to be a lot better going forward, but is it going to matter and create upside for DFS?
1: Yes, but I don't know about tonight. Not a great spot for them. Like you mentioned, that are healthy, and... The boom-bust tool kind of says it all for me here. Normally, these Phoenix guys, like Durant and Booker, are in like the top 10, almost every slate they're on. Today, you have to go down a while to find Devin Booker. Kevin Durant is a little bit higher, power forward eligible. They're basically the same price. I really struggle to get to Booker right now, based on his recent play. He's had a couple spike games, but the majority of his game log is not good for someone who's 9,100. He's not in a great spot here. Not really getting ownership, nor do I think he should be. Durant who does look a little bit better. Power forward eligible, so don't have as much opportunity cost there. Still just a GPP play for me, though. And then, like, Bradley Beal and Nurkic, I'm okay with, but I just don't think it's the slate for them. To be honest, the one guy from Phoenix that I was really looking hard at was Eric Gordon, but don't know if we need the value.
0: Yeah, I agree. I don't think it's necessary. And the other thing, too, is while these guys are playing better together from a real-life perspective, I'm not exactly sure what it's going to mean for fantasy purposes, where on an individual game, like, sure, there's always going to be some upside in Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal and Tevin Booker, but their expected results, they're going to fail to meet their salary expectations more often than not because of how, how often all these guys need the ball in their hands. Like, these are not guys who are you know, great rebounders or accumulate a bunch of defensive stats or anything like that. So with that in mind, I don't think that unless we see one of the players, like whether it be Beal, Booker, Durant, get hurt again, I, I don't think in the short term I'm going to be wanting to roster these guys very much on full-size slates like a seven-gamer today. So nothing that I really like getting to from Phoenix, but I do want to shout out Chris Williams, our uh, friend from Apple, who's gifted out five YouTube memberships. So Chris, as always, thank you for the support and for anybody else who wants to support the channel. All you have to do is simply like the video and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Those those engagements go a long way to helping us grow around here. Uh, so let's move on to the other side of the game then and talk about the New Orleans Pelicans. And last game, Matt, I thought that I was going to be a ruin because I'm looking at the slate and Brandon Ingram puts up 30 fantasy points in the first quarter. I'm looking at my lap. It's like, oh no, I don't have any exposure to Brandon Ingram. And then I look at the field and he's 0.4% owned. And it's like, all right, well, nobody else did either. So ended up dodging a bullet there with, me not rostering Ingram, but neither did anybody else for that slate. And I'm looking at my lineups for today. And uh, once again, not getting myself to uh, any of Brandon Ingram. And uh, nobody on the injury report that matters for the New Orleans Pelicans. Matt Ryan's out, but doesn't matter. It, you could tell me it's Matt Ryan, the former quarterback for the Falcons, it's out and it's going to have the same sort of impact for the New Orleans Pelicans today. But with a totally clean injury report, a matchup against Phoenix that Uh, Kind of up in the air as to whether this is going to be like a good, bad, or middle-of-the-road defensive team when everybody's together. Is there anything that stands out to you from New Orleans? The game does have a fairly high total.
1: It does, but still no. The only guy that I think you could even put in that maybe standout category is Zion. Now that his price has fallen to 7500 We project him for slightly over 40 fantasy points. So he looks good here i struggle to call him like a must in basically any spot, especially one that I'm not even sure is great when new Orleans is all healthy. Zion is in play, but if I were playing one lineup right now, I probably would not play him personally.
0: Yeah. He would definitely not be my lineup. if I was only playing one of them, but with that said, relative to salary, he's pretty clearly my favorite option on the table, yeah. DraftKings and FanDuel and his minutes are very hard to figure. Here's why. Almost every single recent game the Pelicans have played in has been a blowout, like ridiculously so. So I don't know exactly what they're planning on doing with Zion's minutes. My my feeling is that there is a good amount of upside in it, but listen to these recent games. Last time against the Hornets, they won by 20, right? So like we can't really pull anything from that. The game before that, all right, that one was relatively competitive. They only end up losing that game by five points. We did see 32 and a half minutes from Zion on that spot. Prior game, Zion rested in a back-to-back situation. Before that, blowout loss to Denver. But even in a blowout loss, he played 35 and a half minutes. Game before that, they play against the Warriors. They win by 36. Game before that, against the Kings, they win by 33. Game before that, decided by 16 points, 9 points, 27 points, 20 points. So there's been so few competitive games the Pelicans have played in that it's kind of hard to nail down Zion's minutes. But considering that there was the game against Denver that he played 35 and a half minutes in, even though it was lopsided, it gives a degree of confidence that there's a ceiling for Zion minutes that is hard to account for in project in projections because there's a range of outcomes with his playing time. If the ceiling for him is around 36 minutes, he's not rostered enough by the field. So I'm a little bit overweight to him. In my initial run, i have him in 23% of lineups, uh, pretty easily my favorite player in this game because he's the only one that I have in multiple lineups.
1: That's a really, really good point. Uh, everything you just said. So I was totally in agreement with you that Zion was the best play from New Orleans, but Maybe I was underrating a little just how good of a play he was.
0: Yeah, there's some upside for that playing time. He could fall by the wayside if more value ends up opening up. But for now, he looks like a guy who is a pretty decent, somewhat can, not like he's, you know, 5% owned or anything, but ownership in the teams when I think it should be higher. So give me some Zion from the
1: power forwards, pretty weak too.
0: That's true as well. It's not the strongest position. Anything else you want to add from this uh, game? If not, we'll move on to a uh, pretty interesting one.
1: This should be another really good game from real life uh, perspective. So it's another one I'd be interested to watch.
0: Interested to watch. Unfortunately for DFS purposes, I don't really know how we talk about it right now, Matt. And Josh and I ran into the same issue yesterday where we're looking at the Pacers game and half the rotation was on the injury reports. It's like, how do we know who's going to ultimately end up being a good play? Obviously when the dust settled, it was TJ McConnell last night because he ended up being the only active point guard the Pacers had. So he was somebody who ended up being fairly popular. But if we knew the players that were going to be out earlier in the day that ended up sitting yesterday, Matt, I think McConnell would have been like 70% on an large oh, for yeah. the tournament. So he ended up being the best overall play on the slate yesterday. And for today, we have Tyrese Halliburton's questionable on in the injury report. Aaron Neesmith is questionable on in the injury report. Andrew Nemhard is questionable. Isaiah Jackson is doubtful. He got hurt during last night's game. I believe he's in the concussion protocol, banged his head. And Pascal Siakam is probable expected to make his debut with the Pacers. So there's so many different moving parts here. Do you have any firm stance on anything we talk about from the Pacers? Because I think we just need more information here.
1: Oh, I forgot about Siakam. Cause I was all ready to shout out Jairus Walker again. Um, but you can't, no way you can do that, you know, with Siakam in, and we just don't know. Don't know. I doubt Halliburton plays. Like I would be shocked if he missed the Sacramento game, the one time they play in Sacramento a year and then plays the following night in Portland. Like, That would be that I would not see that at all from a guy like Halliburton, who's talked openly about like him getting traded from Sacramento, et cetera, et cetera. So I know that's probably a silly reason, but I don't think Halliburton plays here. We just don't know about everyone else either. So this is one where you almost, if we don't know until later, you almost have to leave some exposure here because what you said about McConnell, it's not one like, oh, McConnell becomes, you know, good play if those guys are out. He becomes, the best play on the slate and you have to play him.
0: So I have not really conspiracy theory or anything like that, but I have a reasoning for why I think Halberd's more likely to play tonight than tomorrow. So he's coming back from an injury and it's a, it's a hamstring injury. So there there's very little chance he would have played both games of a back-to-back. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah. Well, they played last night. You mean exactly. last night, not tonight. Okay.
0: So they trade for Pascal Siakam and Siakam wasn't cleared to play in time for yesterday. I could see the scenario where Halliburton has said that maybe he's ready to play, but he can only play in one leg of the back-to-back. And on one hand, you might go like, hey, yeah, maybe he wants to play against the Kings, you know, his former team, and it's something where he was very upset where he was traded there, but traded from there. But the other angle of this too is, considering the the stakes that are at play with the Pascal Siakam trade, I think it's pretty reasonable to think that if he could only play in one of the games, he would want to play in the game where Pascal is making his debut with the team.
1: I think that's totally reasonable. Um, I didn't really think about that. I think that makes a lot of sense. I don't think any of these conspiracies are crazy. You know what I mean? One of them is probably true. We just won't know. If he plays tonight, I think you're 100% right on about that. I still don't think he's ready, but we'll see.
0: And if he is in, it's going to be hard to get to anything from the Pacers. a great matchup against against the Trailblazers, don't get me wrong but I don't know exactly how Pascal Siakam being on this team is going to impact the other players. Like, I don't know what it means for the usage of Tyrese Halliburton. I don't know what it means for the rebound rate of Miles Turner. I don't know what it means for Miles Turner's playing time. Are they going to play Pascal Siakam some center minutes? Uh, Maybe we find out later in the day that they're going to ease Siakam in and he's only going to play like 30 minutes or something like that. You know, we did see Bruce Brown make his debut for Toronto yesterday, came off the bench. Maybe Siakam comes off the bench for his first game. I just need more information here, especially to consider. And also, Halliburton could just be still not 100%. That's the most logical reason for why he isn't on the court right now. So Halliburton questionable, Neesmith questionable, Nemard questionable, and uh, Pascal Siakam making his debut. Not exactly sure if he's going to start his first game there, if he's going to come off the bench. So more information needed, in my opinion, as far as the Indiana Pacers go. Let's talk about the Portland Trailblazer side of the game for Portland. Shaden Sharp is out. That is the biggest injury news here. He's expected to miss about a month or so. And DeAndre Ayton, the ice is melted. He's going to be good to play for today. That was a very funny injury update. I don't know if you saw it. That underdog sent out yesterday. It was DeAndre uh, DeAndre Ayton. Ice melted. Probable to play tonight. So Ayton has not played in a meaningful amount of time. I expect they're probably going to ease him in. Obviously, he would have been able to play in the last game, but uh, was iced into his house. He has not played since December 23rd, so about a month off for DeAndre. Probably going to be seeing limited minutes due to that, but is there anything you do like from the Blazers in a game that has the highest total on the slate because it's a game against the Indiana Pacers?
1: Yeah, so I had a buddy over last night randomly who was from Portland, and we were chuckling about the Aiden injury report and how he missed and what underdog came out with, et cetera. And just real quick on Siakam, Mm -hmm. I know Bruce Brown came off the bench. I would personally be flabbergasted if they didn't start Siakam right away. Just because, like, they made this move for him. There's still some, like, unknown with Bruce Brown, whether he's going to stay there. I could be completely wrong on this. I expect Siakam just to step in and play his full role. But like you said, there are some questions there. As far as Portland goes, man, like, another team with two really good guard plays. Anthony Simons, under 8K. This is why it's really, really hard to get to, like, the uh, Devin Bookers of the world. When you've got a guy like Anthony Simons, 1,300 cheaper projected for a similar amount of fantasy points. Malcolm Brogdon, don't feel great about him, but he's 5,400 projected for 30 fantasy points. He's getting too much ownership right now, but another guard that looks really, really good here. So those are the two guys that stand out for me from Portland. I don't think you can do anything with the big man now with Aiden back because uh, I'm totally with you. It's a great spot for, for Aiden, but I would be really surprised if he plays a full workload.
0: And as far as Brogdon and Simons go, they already project really well. Brogdon's one of my most rostered players on the slate as well. He shows up in a good amount of lineups. One of the players is a core play. One of the only players is a core play for me outside of that Spurs-Charlotte game. Here's also something that I, because it's not like I build my lineups exactly how they're going to be at lock. Sure. In the morning, I just kind of build them to get an idea of what I would want to be talking about on shows and players I'm prioritizing. Here is something that I really like about the Blazers that I talk about a good amount on these shows that I'd be doing. If this was lock right now, I'd be doing positive ROI boost to both Anthony Simons and Malcolm Brogdon for two reasons. Number one, they're already good options as is, but also considering all the players that are questionable from the Pacers side of the game, I want to be getting myself to more Portland exposure anyway because it's the easiest way to give myself flexibility and be able to alter some of those lineups should we get the injury news we want from the Pacers. It's the same thing that we talked about last night on Live Before Lock where Eric and I were talking about like, hey, TJ McConnell could be really good tonight. He already looks okay as is, but let's try to reserve lineup spots for him so that it's easier to get to him in the later stages of the game if news breaks, right? I feel the exact same way again today. If Nemhard and Halliburton are both out, we want to play TJ McConnell against the Blazers, the easiest way to do it is just give yourself more of Malcolm Brogdon and Anthony Simons to give yourself that added flexibility. They're both guards. We'll be swapping to another guard from the exact same game. It's the best way to play this from a game theory perspective. And there's nothing else I really like from Portland, because like you said, Eaton expected back in the mix. The front court doesn't present us much value.
1: I'm totally with you on all those points. I think they're really, really well taken. Um, because aside from the two Charlotte guys, Rozier and LaMelo, these look like the best guards on the slate. Whether it's McConnell, Simons, Brogdon,
0: and uh, by the way, there's only—it's very difficult to offend me, Matt. Oh, nearly impossible. There's only one thing that does, and that is calling me Eric. It's the only thing that <laughs> could, that could really, really upset me. There's there's no bigger insult. You could call me call me slurs, tell me you hate me. Don't call me Eric though. Like that's just the lowest blow. We got a, a King. King1tm32 in the chat says, That's good advice in GPPs, Eric. Don't do this to me. Don't do this to me. I was What's wondering
1: there? where you were going to go there because you are not someone I think I've ever seen get offended. So, <laughs> no,
0: you you have to understand where I'm coming from now, though. Oh, yeah. I mean,
1: I'd be, <laughs> I would be livid.
0: The I would mean, just, just the worst. You might as well call me a, just a garbage person. <laughs> Don't, not, not Eric. Not Eric. Anything but that. But anyway, that is, uh, that's going to do it for me from Portland. Anything else you want to add from this game?
1: No, not at all. It does look like exactly like San Antonio, Charlotte. We just won't have the news.
0: So let's go ahead and move to the final game on the slate. It is an island game locking at 1030 p.m. Eastern time between the Brooklyn Nets and the Los Angeles Lakers. Starting on the Brooklyn side of the game, we have uh, nobody showing up in my lineups. As of now, the player I get the most of is a four percent of nicholas claxton and nobody on the injury report for the nets that's going to change anything you know we got Whiteheads out sharp remains out ben simmons remains out i i often look at the injury report and forget that ben simmons exists like that's where we've gotten with ben simmons like oh right he's just on the injury report. he's going to return probably sometime next week and it's going to create a headache but at least for today matchup against the lakers value in other spots i'm going to reserve lineup spots by boosting guys from portland but as far as Brooklyn goes, there's nothing I really like here. Do you see it differently?
1: No, I see it exactly the same. And just because we were just talking about Aiden, there was like a meme came out right after Aiden missed the game with the ice. And it was like Ben Simmons looking at the, an injury report, figuring out a new way to miss games. Like the <laughs> 108 ice. Yeah. So no, Brooklyn looks awful here. You can make a case for Macal Bridges because he's still under 8K, 7,700, I believe. And he's been playing decent right now, but... Hard for me to say he's a better play than even like a Jimmy Butler, who's a little bit cheaper. And we were like, Butler's a good play, but he's not like a must play on the slate. So Brooklyn, even though they're in a pretty good spot, they're healthy, they're priced accordingly. There's no one from Brooklyn that I really, really
0: want at all. And if you guys want to sign up for the Sims tool or any NBA package, Sims tool that uh, Jacob's been sharing on screen throughout the show here, sign up using the link that we have below. And then also, like I said before, don't forget the MMA Sims tool. That is live now, and we've got a sale going on for that. Promo code 297 to get yourself 30% off the MMA Sims tool. It is the most affordable Sims package that we have uh, released yet to date. Let's go to the Lakers side of the game to wrap this up, Matt. And uh, once again, I think that D'Angelo Russell is worth getting to. I think the field has it about right, though. He's projected for ownership just over 20%. That's where I land in my lineups here as well. Dilo is somebody who, when he was coming off the bench, it was hard to really get to him because the playing time wasn't there. But last game started, played 36 minutes. The game before it started, played 36 minutes. The game before that started, played 41 minutes. So the playing time seems very secure for D'Angelo Russell. Price tag has come up a little bit. But I think that he's the one guy who makes sense from the Lakers. Also, Austin Reeves, now that he's starting, he's locked into a little bit more playing time. So Russell's the priority for me in the backcourt. A little bit of interest in Austin Reeves, but uh, neither Anthony Davis nor LeBron making it into my lineups as payup options at the moment.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. Davis, I'd rather get to Embiid than than Davis. Their ownership and optimal percentages are like flipped. Embiid coming in with positive leverage, Davis with negative. I'd rather get to Embiid there. I know a little bit of a different price here, but... You know, if you can get to Davis, I'm sure you can find a way to get to Embiid. It is D'Lo for me here. Don't feel great about it because it's D'Lo, but still too cheap for his current role. The only thing I'll say about him, why he's not a must and why I agree that the field's getting there at the appropriate amount right now is the guards we've talked about. So he doesn't look like as good of a play as a couple of the other guards we've talked about, but he's in that mix for sure. And he also gives gives you the ability to swap to a McConnell, which is the biggest point.
0: Anything else you want to add about the slate? We have uh, made it through all the games here, uh, but any other final talking points or anything before I head on over to the football show?
1: No, that's all I got.
0: All right, guys. So, uh, th- Oh, we did get uh, one quick question here. that'll answer from Jake DeWitt. He wants to know, how do I feel about Eaton on the night slate? Uh, so I haven't built out lineups for the night slate. My feeling, though, Jake, is that while we don't have any news on it right now, considering Eaton hasn't played in about a month, I figure he's going to have fairly restricted minutes. And I think Matt said the same thing as well when we were talking about it before.
1: How many games is the night slate?
0: So the night slate is only going to be two games. Like, he can't totally write anybody off for a right. two-game slate. But if we're talking about guys to prioritize, it wouldn't be Aiton for me, considering that I think he's going to have limited minutes.
1: Yeah, completely agree. Like, on the two-game slate, he's more in play than on the main slate, but not a guy that you are, like, locking in by any means.
0: All right, guys, that is going to do it for us today. Thank you very much for watching. Shout out to BetMGM for sponsoring the show. Take advantage of the no-brainer. Bet $5, get $158 in bonus bets. Easy way to put some money in your pocket. So, guys, thank you very much for watching. If you want some football content, I'm about to be breaking down this weekend's Football Slate with Woffy. So stick around on the channel and catch that. Good luck tonight, guys. Peace out.